You're listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Northern Colorado from our Advent series, Love Came Down, a look at the meaning and message of Christmas. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, We're glad you're here with us tonight. And we're here, of course, to celebrate what Christmas is all about, which is God's love come down to us in Jesus to save us, to redeem us. We've been reading the Christmas story this evening already so far, and I'd like to continue doing that from Matthew's gospel. So I'll go ahead and read Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quickly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is God's word. Would you please bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, we thank you for this gift, this incredible gift of Jesus to save us, to redeem us, to be God with us. Thank you, Lord, that you came to us. Thank you for your love come down to us. And this evening as we consider these things, Lord, we pray that we would know true Christmas joy, true Christmas peace that is only able to be truly known through your Son. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us and we'd hear your voice tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight I'd like to speak to you about the problem with Christmas. And I realize that even by saying that, I can start to sound like, you know, starting to show my age, right? Like I begin to start every sentence with, you know what the problem with this is, right? But uh, really, I would like to talk to you about the problem with Christmas. Now, I don't want to keep you in any suspense. I'll tell you what it is. The problem with Christmas is the presents. It's the gifts. Now, I'm not talking about um, the long lines at Target or trying to get something for everybody on your list, including that person you can never get anything for, so you always get them a gift card. And I'm not talking about the problem that every store in America is sold out of Hatchimals and that Nintendo NES throwback system, which happen to be the only two things that my kids asked for for Christmas, but apparently, right, they were not the only ones who asked for that for Christmas because that's uh, totally sold out. Uh, when I say the problem with Christmas is not, or is the gifts, I'm not talking about these impossible to open packages, right? Like, it's like they don't even want you to get Barbie out of the box. Like, I don't know why they make that so difficult, nor am I talking about how you always end up, no matter what you buy, you end up having to buy stuff for the stuff that you bought. I'm not even talking about materialism, if that's where you thought I was going with this. No, those are not the things I have in mind when I say that the problem with Christmas is the presents or the gifts. Uh, I'm not talking about our current celebration of Christmas. I'm talking about the problem with the original Christmas. Uh, Both the problem which caused it to happen and the problem which it causes and the problem which it would be for us if it had never happened. So I've got three points for you tonight. The first one is this. The problem is, sometimes the best gifts come in the strangest wrapping. Sometimes the best gifts come 
in the strangest wrapping. I was watching a show recently where they had this guy on there and he was like a former thief or pickpocket. And he was given advice about what to do if you don't want to get robbed, right? Or if you don't want to be stolen from. And he said, for example, if you're in a public place, like say amusement park or you're in a crowd of people, uh, then here's what you do. If you don't want to get robbed, then put your valuables in something that looks like it shouldn't normally hold something valuable. He said, for example, you know, put your valuables in a, you know, a soft drink cup, like a fast food cup, and put a straw in it, because if anybody's going to rob you, they're not going to, they might target someone carrying an expensive phone, they might target somebody with a purse, but they're not going to target somebody who's carrying something which looks to them like it's just their trash. You see, what, what the point is there is this, even though we often say, don't judge a book by its cover, all of us uh, mostly do. But here's the problem with that. The problem is that sometimes God gives us gifts and sometimes his best gifts are wrapped in the strangest ways. And so our tendency, our temptation is to look at them and to say, I don't want that. I don't want that at all. Uh, It doesn't look good at all. It doesn't look like something anybody would want. Our text here says that there was a, a similar problem on that first Christmas. Mary and Joseph were betrothed to be married But they weren't married yet. Basically, they were engaged. And here at the very beginning of the Christmas story, we see a problem. The problem is this. The Holy Spirit has put a baby inside of Mary, but her and Joseph aren't married yet. And how does that look? And so it tells us in verse 19 that Joseph wanted to split up with Mary. He wanted to leave her, and he decided that he's not going to marry Mary. He got this disturbing news, right? He thought that he was just getting a wife, but then it turned out he's not just getting a wife, he's also getting a baby who, by the way, isn't his. It was a strangely wrapped gift, but it was a gift indeed. Think about this. It it was a gift. It was, in fact, one of the most incredible gifts that anyone at any time has ever been given. It was an incredibly high honor. Joseph got to be the adopted father of, of Jesus. He got to spend more time with Jesus than anyone else who ever lived except for Mary. You know, Peter and the other disciples, they got to spend three years with Jesus. But Joseph got to spend 30 years with Jesus. He got to spend every day with him. He got to teach him to walk. He got to teach him how to read. They worked together. They ate together every day. They sat at the table together. All the while, Joseph understanding that this boy is destined to be someone great. He's destined to be a king. In fact, all the while understanding this boy was the promised one who, who would, as the text here says, save the people from their sins. And yet Joseph got to know him and spend time with him and watch him grow. He got to take him to the synagogue. He got to pray with him at night. What an incredibly amazing gift. But here's the thing. Joseph almost rejected this gift. We look at that, we say, wow, amazing, awesome. But Joseph almost rejected it. Why? Because at first, it didn't look like a gift. It didn't look like anything good at all. It looked like betrayal. It was a strangely wrapped gift, but it was a gift. See, here's what that tells us about God. It tells us that this is how he often works. He has a way of giving us his best gifts, sometimes in the strangest packaging. You know, 2016 was a hard year, wasn't it? I mean, like... uh, from, from the very divisive political climate with the election cycle we just went through to racial violence here in our country and conflicts around the world in different places, including right now, just terrible situation in Syria. It was just, it wasn't an easy year for our country and it wasn't an easy year for the world in general. I found these images and I want to show, this is kind of like what 2016 did to us. I've got a couple. You know, you start out Anakin Skywalker and you end up something else. You know, you end up, Breaking Bad or something, right? Like, 
So, so here are, uh, maybe there's some of you here and you'd say, you know, not only was 2016 just a hard year for the world in general or our country in general, but it was a hard year for me personally. I wonder if there's some of you here who have been handed things by God. He's placed some things in your life and you kind of feel like Joseph. Like, you're like, thanks, but no thanks. Like, I might just re-gift this because I don't want it. Uh, it doesn't feel like a gift at all. It doesn't feel good at all. Maybe your heart was broken. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe... There was something you put a lot of time and work and energy into and it failed and you're facing discouragement and disappointment and you're dealing with uncertainty regarding the future. Maybe it was a loved one who you had to say goodbye to and you wish that you would have had a little bit more time with them. Maybe it's a diagnosis that you got or someone you love received. What this story, what the Christmas story teaches us is that when we look at those things, we shouldn't be so quick to judge them by their appearances. We shouldn't be so quick to say, this is bad or this isn't a gift because sometimes God gives us his best gifts in the strangest packaging. You know, if God himself, when he came into this world, he came packaged in a way that no one would have expected. He came as a helpless baby in a poor family to parents who weren't ready to be parents yet, right? He was literally wrapped in rags, and placed in a feeding trough, surrounded by animals and filth. You know, you always think these nativity scenes, and they always look so cozy, right? Like it looks like just a, a bunch of hipsters posing for an Instagram photo. Like they all get on the one side of the manger, make sure they got the, the shepherd's staff pointing in the right direction. Let's get somebody to kneel down next to this manger, make this look good. But I don't think it was cozy at all. I don't think it was very fun at all. And that's how God chose to came, come into the world, in a very unusual packaging for the very greatest gift that the world has ever known the savior christ the lord the one who would save us from our sins and that itself should give us some perspective on the things that god brings into our lives sometimes god's best gifts come wrapped in the strangest packaging you know though think about this what if though what if you looked at your life with the eyes of faith and considered this christmas story and you remember that sometimes God's best gifts come in the strangest packages. Is it possible that you might even be able to come to the point where you look back at the things in your life which right now seem terrible and actually see them as a gift, actually see them as God's grace to you, maybe even as some of the best gifts that God ever gave you by his grace? That's exactly what happened to Joseph. This thing which he thought was a curse, this thing which he did not want at all, he almost didn't marry Mary because he looked at this and he said, this looks terrible, but it turned out to be one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave, not only to him personally, but to the whole world. Next time you're tempted to look at something you've been handed and reject it and say, I don't want this, I don't like this, remember Joseph. Remember Joseph who wanted to divorce Mary, who was absolutely crushed by the news of this baby, who thought that this was the worst thing in the world that could possibly happen to him and his life was over. When in reality, it was actually the best thing that ever happened, both for him and for the world in general. It was a gift from God. Joseph did choose, however, to respond in faith, which is why we have all these Joseph action figures in our nativity set. But he chose to receive this gift and act in faith rather than in fear. He chose to say yes to this strange gift and this strange package. And he chose to obey God and to raise Jesus. And from there on out, it was all super easy and there were no bumps in the road and they all lived happily ever after and everything was great, right? Well, not exactly. And that's what brings us to our second problem with Christmas that we see here in the text. And that's this. The problem is sometimes gifts create 
disorder. Sometimes gifts create disorder. You know, we actually opened some of our presents last week. And so last week, since last weekend, we've had, uh, our house has been a little bit disorderly because now we got all this stuff and we don't really know where to put it yet. You know, my wife loves to keep our house very tidy. Everything has its place and she does a great job of keeping order in our house, which is, you know, no small task because we have little kids and uh, they just kind of, that's what they do. They take order and turn it into disorder. But my wife does a good job at keeping order in the house. And, uh, but now though, right, with the introduction of these gifts, uh, it's brought disorder into our household, right? It's a, it's a bit disorderly at home. Now we're going to figure it out and we'll find a place for everything. But the principle here is this. Sometimes gifts actually create disorder rather than order. And that was definitely true in regard to the very first Christmas and the birth of Jesus. You know, Joseph and Mary, they're given this incredible gift. It didn't look like a gift, but they're given the Savior to save them from their sins. And not, not only that, though, they got the privilege of raising him up and knowing him better than anyone else who's ever lived. And yet, ra- this gift, rather than bringing peace and tranquility into their lives, rather than bringing order into their lives, it disrupted everything. It turned their whole life on its head. If anything, it brought disorder into their lives. In Luke's gospel, we read about how Mary and Joseph, when they took Jesus to the temple as a baby, there was an old man there, and this man's name was Simeon. And he, you know, he was getting up there in age, but Simeon recognized who Jesus was, and he asked to hold that baby, and, and he realized that this baby was the promised Savior of the world. And Simeon told Mary that day, he said, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and for the rising of many. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Jesus was appointed for the rise and the fall of many. Because as the Bible says, he who has the Son has life. He who has Jesus, the Son, has life. But he who does not have the Son does not have life. But for Mary, on a personal level, Simeon was telling her, God's given you this incredible gift, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. You know, after Joseph and Mary got over the initial shock of this, this gift, and they said yes to God, that's actually when the bottom fell out of their lives even more. And they, you know, they get over the initial shock of this gift and this strange wrapping. And I imagine they, they, after that, they were bright-eyed. They were full of faith. And they said, you know, okay, hey, you know what? If this is what God has for us, then hey, let's do it. Because God, where God guides, God provides. He's going to take care of us. He's going to work it all out. And I'm sure that positive attitude lasted right up to the point when they got to Bethlehem and found out that there were no more rooms available at the inn and they were going to have to give birth to this baby out in the stable, <coughs> excuse me, surrounded by animals and filth. That must have been, I imagine, the straw that broke the camel's back. Where at that point, you know, they're like, wait a second, you know, God, what, what's going on here? We're trying to do what you told us to do. Why can't this be easier? This is your kid. God, we're raising your kid. Can't you at least give us a room to give birth to him in at the, at the inn? And as they go on, actually more and more disorder comes into their lives as a result of this gift. In the second chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, right after what we read just now, we read that King Herod, when he heard about the birth of Jesus and that Jesus was the rightful king of Israel, he ordered the execution of of all the baby boys in Bethlehem under age two because he's trying to shore up and protect his own power. But Mary and Joseph, of course, they get tipped off to this before it happens and they're able to get out of, the, out of there on time before Herod's people show up. But in order to do so, they have to drop everything and they have to flee the country in the middle of the night in order to protect Jesus and they end up becoming refugees in Egypt for four or five years. 
Look at what this gift has brought into their lives. Chaos. It's brought disorder. It's disrupted everything. It's totally changed the course of their lives. You know, as a young couple, you can imagine, like any young couple, they probably had all kinds of plans for their lives and what they wanted to do and where they were, what they were going to go and uh, where they were going to go and what they were going to accomplish. But this gift that they didn't even ask for, that they didn't necessarily, you know, want in the beginning, now it's come into their lives and it's changed everything. All of their plans are now out the window. See, that's the problem with Christmas for you and me as well. God gives us this gift, the gift of Jesus, to save us from our sins and to make us right with him, to heal us, to restore us, to redeem us, to give us hope both for this life and for eternity. But here's the problem. If you accept this gift, it will disrupt your life. It will disrupt your status quo. It will inevitably change the course of your life. But here's what I want you to see. Three things about this disruption that came into their lives and what it looks like. Number one, the first thing we see is that God provided for them and they came to know God and experience his faithfulness through these things in ways that they never would have otherwise. You remember those three wise men who came with those three strange gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Kind of weird gifts to give to an infant, right? Like I, I think probably the wise men were bachelors because they were like, uh, I don't know what baby's like, right? Like what, what do you want to get him? Well, let's get him some myrrh. They're probably, the kid will love myrrh. Myrrh's super expensive. Kids love stuff like this. They're, do something with it, right? Uh, so they go and they give these gifts, but do you know what the tradition says, that what they did with those gifts? I mean, think about it. If you got to flee your house overnight and go to Egypt, what are you going to do with some gold, frankincense, and myrrh? The tradition says that they sold them, and that's how they were able to pay for their trip to Egypt. That's how they were able to pay to live in Egypt for five years. In other words, God provided for them when they didn't even realize that God was providing for them. God provided for this journey that he was taking them on. And the more you look at this story, the more you realize that even though to Mary and Joseph, this seemed like chaos and disorder, it was actually anything but chaotic and disorderly. God had a distinct plan and a roadmap, and he was taking care of them all along the way. And I believe that same thing is true for us as well. Like Mary and Joseph, what may seem like chaos and disorder to us because it's different than what we planned, it might actually be God's well-thought-out plan and roadmap for our lives. The second thing about this disruption that came into their lives is this. It gave them unprecedented opportunities. Think about this. The night that Jesus was born, they're there in that stable, and some shepherds come to visit and to worship Jesus. You know, shepherds, by the way, because they dealt with animals, uh, they were considered unclean. And so if Mary and Joseph had been in the inn that night where they wanted to be, the shepherds would not have been able to come in and worship Jesus and be there with Jesus. But because of where they were, which is somewhere where they didn't really want to be in the first place, they were able to welcome these people in. They were able to minister to these people whom they would not have been able to minister to otherwise. You see, they never wanted to be in this situation. It wasn't fun. It was absolutely uncomfortable. But being in that situation gave them an unprecedented opportunity to minister to these other people. Again, maybe this wasn't chaos. Maybe it wasn't actually disorder. Maybe it was God's plan for them and it was just different than anything they would have ever chosen or planned for themselves, but it was good. You see, the same is true of their trip to Egypt. Nobody wants to become a refugee. No one wants to have to flee their home in the middle of the night because they're afraid their baby's going to get killed. But 
there they go to Egypt, and there they are in Egypt, and they have, imagine, unprecedented opportunities to tell people the good news of who Jesus is. You can imagine, you know, they show up and, oh, you're not from around here, so what's your story? You know, why are you here? Why did you have to flee your homeland? They'd say, well, it's actually a really interesting story. It starts uh, kind of a long time ago. Uh, in this place called Eden with these two people named Adam and Eve. And they would tell the whole story, you know, the whole thing going forward. And then Herod and then Jesus. And here's the point. Maybe some things have happened for you too that you didn't really want to happen. But in the midst of what you're going through, God is giving you opportunities to minister to people who, who you would have never had the opportunity to minister to otherwise. What seems like disorder to us isn't necessarily chaos to God. The third thing about this disruption is this. It was absolutely worth it. You know, if you were to ask Mary and Joseph after the fact, do you regret that this happened to your life? That all, you know, you got this gift that you weren't even looking for and it disrupted your entire life? Do you regret that that happened? That it changed the course of your life and disrupted all your plans? What do you think they would say? I think they would laugh. I think they would say, are you kidding me? A million times over, it was more than worth it to know him, to be part of God's bringing redemption to the world. No question, it was more than worth it. It wasn't what we had envisioned. It wasn't what we planned for our lives, but it was so much better. Let me ask you this. If you were to really embrace God's gift to you, how would it disrupt your life? How would it disrupt your status quo of how you've been living For some of you, it might mean showing grace or or forgiveness to someone who has hurt you. Maybe it's a phone call that you need to make tomorrow morning. Maybe that's the best application of this for you. Maybe it means a fundamental change in the way that you have been living your life. The question is, how will you respond to this gift of life and salvation in Jesus? Because like with Mary and Joseph, the problem is this gift comes into your life and it might disrupt some things. But like with Mary and Joseph, maybe that's actually not a problem at all. Maybe that's actually the best thing that could ever happen to you. Now the third problem with Christmas, this third problem is this. The problem is sometimes gifts are hard to receive. Sometimes gifts are hard to receive. And here's why. Because some gifts make you swallow your pride. You know, have you ever, many of you, maybe you've been in a tough spot financially where, where you just can't do it. And, uh, Someone, a friend or a loved one, a family member has offered you a large sum of money to help you out in that bind you're in, to help you get out of that problem. That's a humbling experience if you've ever been through that. You have to swallow your pride in order to receive that gift. Here's why. Because by receiving that gift, you're essentially admitting, I can't do this on my own. I need help. I can't get out of this problem I'm in. I need someone to help me. You know, there are a lot of people who for that very same reason will never accept help because they don't want to swallow their pride because it hurts to swallow your pride. They'd rather die than accept help or admit that they need help. You know, so there are other gifts that are hard to receive. Uh, you know, imagine tomorrow morning if I open up the presents under the tree and the first gift I open is a book called, uh, you know, it, it's a book about losing weight. And I say, oh, thanks, I guess, right? And then I open the next gift and it's a present and it's a book called overcoming selfishness, right? Those would be hard gifts to receive because they force me to come face-to-face with something I don't really want to come face-to-face with, and that's that I'm fat and I'm selfish, right? And sometimes gifts are hard to receive because 
They make you swallow your pride or they make you come face to face with and realize some things that you've been not wanting to admit. You know, there has never been a gift that requires you to swallow your pride or face up to things that you don't want to admit more. You know, there's never been a gift that does that more than the gospel message of Jesus Christ, than the gift of Jesus Christ. Verse 21 in our text, it says this, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, Jesus was a common Hebrew name. It's kind of the equivalent of, in English, the name Joshua. And the meaning of the name, Yeshua, the meaning is God saves. And so this was kind of a, a play on words, right? He said, this angel comes and says to Joseph, you shall call his name God saves because he will save his people from their sins. But here's the thing, it's right there in the name. In order to receive this gift, you have to admit that you have a problem. You have to admit that you have sins that you need to be saved from and that you cannot do it on your own. You can't save yourself and that's a hard pill to swallow. Essentially, the problem with Christmas is the gift because the gift requires you to admit something we we might not be wanting to admit, that we're lost, that we're unable to help ourselves, we're unable to save ourselves, and that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself can save us. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You know, I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan, and so C.S. Lewis wrote this book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's kind of a children's story, but it's a wonderful story. It tells the, children, a story, it tells the story of four children, the Pevensey children. They live in uh, Britain during World War II. And so, you know, London's being bombed by the Germans, and so the parents sent their kids, their four kids, up to a friend of the family to live out in the countryside where they'll be safe. And so they're exploring and playing in this house that belongs to this family friend, and, and one of them hides. Uh, they're playing like hide-and-seek, and she hides in the old wardrobe only to find out that in the back of that wardrobe is a portal which leads to another world, and that is the world of Narnia. And Narnia is a cold place. It's a frozen place. It's covered in ice and snow, and it's stuck in a perpetual winter. And as they go, uh, they get to talking to some of the creatures who live there in Narnia. They find out that Narnia is a land which is under the curse of an evil witch. And here's the description which those uh, creatures give of Narnia. They say, It is always winter, but never Christmas. Always winter, but never Christmas. And I think that is one of the best, most concise descriptions of hopelessness that's ever been written. Always winter, but never Christmas. Maybe you've experienced some of the winter of this world, the cold and the darkness and things that make you acutely aware of the fact that we live in a world that is under the curse, where there is winter but, but as Lucy and Edmund, interestingly in the story, Lucy and Edmund, the two of the children, they're there in Narnia, and one time they're, they're there, and suddenly they hear the sound of sleigh bells approaching. And of course they hide because they're sure that this is the evil witch coming to get them, coming their direction, so they hide so that the witch won't see them. But as the sleigh bells get closer and as the sleigh arrives there, they find out that it's not actually the evil witch riding the sleigh. It's an older man with a big white beard dressed all in white. And they come out and they talk to him and his name is Father Christmas and he's been being held captive by the evil witch. And Father Christmas talks to him and he says, you know, she, the witch, she, she has kept me for a long time but her magic is weakening. Aslan is on the move. A very merry Christmas. Long live the true king. 
Of course, Aslan is a picture of Jesus. The whole story is an allegory of Jesus and the redemption that he brings into the world. And what it means for us is this. We live in a world where there is winter, where there is cold and there is dark, where there is pain and there is hardship. Yet ever before us is the promise that Christmas has come. There's the promise of Christmas that Jesus Christ has come into the world in order to save us. You know, Christmas and, and Christianity, it isn't only about looking to the past, it's also about looking to the future. The fact that Jesus has come and he has broken the curse and the day is coming when the winter will be over and the warmth and the life of spring will come. That's the promise, that's the hope of Christmas. You know, the gospel isn't good advice, the gospel is good news. Advice is someone telling you something and saying, this is what you ought to do. But news is somebody saying, this is what has happened. Advice is someone telling you something that you have to act upon. But news is someone telling you that someone else has acted. And the gospel is not good advice, it's good news. It's the news of what God has done for you in Christ. But here's the thing, like with any gift, you have to receive it. You have to receive that gift. Someone can stretch it out for you, but you've got to take it. You know, Jesus wasn't the only name that was given to that baby. Our text tells us that he was also given another name. It says, you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That first name, Jesus, it tells us that we are lost in our sins. It tells us that we cannot save ourselves. It tells us that we need a Savior, but that God has provided a Savior for us. The second name, Emmanuel, it tells us about the other problem. We are separated from God. If he comes to be God with us, it tells us that we are separated from God. And because of what he has done for us, because he reached out to us, it's possible for us to be with God again, for us to have a relationship with God. The message of Christmas is that salvation is by grace and a relationship with God is possible. But these are not things that you can do for yourself. Only God can do these things for you. And the good news of Christmas is, is that he has. And he offers you these things as a gift. But again, like with any gift, it has to be received. And the problem is that sometimes gifts can be hard to receive. But I want to urge you this evening, don't let pride, don't let fear, don't let anything else ever stop you from receiving this gift. Because it's the greatest gift the world has ever known. I want to encourage you this evening as we go, Receive this gift. Receive the gift of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ so that you can know true Christmas joy. Amen? Would you please stand with me and we'll pray. Lord, we thank you for this gift. We thank you for this gift of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this gift of life that you've given us in him. And Lord, this evening I pray that all of us here would truly receive that gift and that we would know the true joy and the true peace of Christmas, the joy that comes only through knowing you, the peace that comes through knowing that we have been made right with God. And thank you, Lord, for this good news. We receive it this evening. We rejoice in you. Thank you for what you have done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in northern Colorado from our Advent series, Love Came Down, a look at the meaning and message of Christmas. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com.